Hey guys, it's Sim, and this is Pro Wrestling Unlimited, as this is the wrestling wrap-up. A handful of news brought to you in one easy-to-watch video. Now, we aren't doing a live version of this today because, unfortunately, my internet speed's garbage right now. I can't upload. Like, I can upload to YouTube, but my upload speeds are not good enough to actually connect a live stream to Twitch. So I'm going to have to call Comcast here as soon as I'm done recording this and see, hey, why are we still having issues? I've been having these issues for almost a month now. They come and go. They say, oh, we fixed it on our end. You should be good. And then good for about five, six, seven days and then have the issues again. But that's not your problem. That's my problem. That's their problem. I'll get it all figured out, hopefully. But with that, this is the wrestling wrap up as we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, maybe ten stories to talk about we're gonna talk about sasha banks taking non-wwe signing appearances we're gonna talk about triple h and what being back actually kind of means wwe moving raw back to tv 14 a slew of aew injuries and so much more let's do the rigmarole as far as if you do follow us on twitch you can help us out a couple of different ways over there by heading over and hitting that donate button down below by hitting that donate button you can subscribe to the or you can support the channel and you can also support the channel by donating twitch bits you can also subscribe to the channel on twitch either with amazon prime or with a tiered subscription tiered subscription it's your own money but if you have amazon prime you're already paying daddy jeff bezos Amazon Prime, you take that Prime account, you take that Twitch account, you link them together, bada bing, bada boom, you're Prime Gaming. Remember, it doesn't have to be just your Amazon Prime account, it can be anybody's Amazon Prime account, whether that's your mother, your father, your brother, your sister, your grandma, your grandpa, your auntie, your uncle, anybody. It could be anybody's Amazon Prime account. But if you're watching on YouTube, because well, that's the only way you can watch this video this week, subscribe right here and hit that join button to become a chat. Excuse me, a channel member. As a channel member, you get early access to news, early access to podcast episodes, early access to non-news videos, and so much more. Plus, you can get all of that, but more directly support us by heading over to patreon.com forward slash PWUnlimited. Head over to Patreon, and you'll be not only more directly supporting us, because YouTube ain't taking their cut, but you will also get everything in one easy-to-find area. Finally, Head over to the Epic Game Store. Head over to the Epic Game Store and buy something. Whether that is a new game, whether that is an old game, whether you're claiming one of the free games or you're getting bucks for for Rocket League, Fortnite, or Fall Guys, you can support us by using the creator code PWUnlimited. Again, use creator code PWUnlimited at checkout on the Epic Game Store or through the Fortnite, Fall Guys, and Rocket League launchers on your PlayStation, Xbox, and Nintendo Switch. But with that, we've got a bunch to talk about, and we're going to kick it off with talking about, well, Sasha Banks. So Wednesday, Sasha Banks was announced for the C2E2 Expo in Chicago, Illinois this August. The organization announced Banks for an autograph and photo session, but in doing so, announced her by her real name, Mercedes Vernando and not by Sasha Banks. They basically said Mercedes Vernando, Sasha Banks, and The Mandalorian, basically listing Sasha Banks as a role she has played, not listing her as Sasha Banks like you would normally see, which also on the same, you know, not the same announcement, but the website where, and I can pull this image up, 
where she was announced and whatnot. They also announced Lita as Lita, not Amy DeMoss. So let's pull that up really fast. I can show you guys. Kind of like, well, what do you mean? But Sasha Banks and Mercedes Bernardo. Let's pull that up really fast. Um, boom, 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 boom. We have this right here. As you see here on the screen, Mercedes Bernardo. Give me one second to fix that. Trying to point stuff out. No, you do see the mouse. Okay, there it is. It's there. It's there. It's there. Get on my side. So, Mercedes Fernando. Mercedes Fernando, not Sasha Banks. But then you have Lita. That was her WWE name. Not going by Amy Dumas, but going by Lita. This is very, very interesting. But as far as Fernando or Banks, whatever you want to call her, doing this, this is essentially her first non-WWE appearance since walking out on the company back in May. And Fightful and Sean Rossap do have an update on this stating that this is the first non-WWE appearance that she has been announced for. And Fightful has heard from several promoters that actually reached out to her, several with and without or in and out of professional wrestling stating that Banks is not looking to take any wrestling-related signings till after or at least January 1st, 2023. So, it looks like Banks will not be doing anything wrestling-related for the remainder of the year. Now, full speculation mode before we keep going. Full speculation mode before we keep going. That leads me to believe that there is the slight possibility that WWE, because we've heard the rumors and we've heard the news and we've heard all the stuff that, oh, WWE is giving her her release, but the terms are still being worked on. Well, this leads me to believe that maybe those terms are, for the rest of the year, you can't do anything wrestling-related. Hence, why she's telling promoters she can't take any wrestling-related signings until at least January 1st. Now, that's just me predicting. Eiffel goes on to report. The report also notes that her asking price for appearances is $30,000. One promoter noted, that that was, quote, exactly as expected as her demand should be high because she left on her own terms, has not been part of the convention scene, and has a high fan base willing to support her. The promoter said that they were happy to book her at that rate because they know they'd make the money back on it. So basically they said, yeah, we pay her $30,000, we'll make that money back. Because, uh, let me look on in here. C2E2, how much is the signing? Like how much does a fan have to pay? And I don't know if those tickets are available yet. $90 for a photo and $70 just for an autograph. So just to make back, if they do just autographs, you know there's going to be a lot of fans that want photos as well. But 30000 one, two, three, divided by, say, $70. If they can get... About 425 people just to, get, uh, just to want an autograph of Sasha Banks or Mercedes Fernando. They make their money back on her. And if we go, everyone wants, 330 people want a photo. And there we go. Plus, plus, so it's $90 for a photo. Then if you want that photo emailed to you, 10 bucks. Then, if you want additional prints, so I guess they'll 
So I guess, yeah. So $90 includes them printing the photo. If you want an email to you, that's an extra 10. If you want them to do more than one print, like print it more than one time, that's another $10 each additional print. So whew, there we go. That's how they can make their money at least back on Sasha Banks. They need either 425, 430 people to at least get an autograph or 330, 335 people that want a photo op with her. But as far as Banks does go, you know, it's very interesting that WWE hasn't said anything and that she hasn't said anything. And we kind of understand why the two sides may not have said anything yet because of the reports of, you know, I think it was Raj Geary said June 10th, Banks was given her release. Well, informed, the word was Banks was getting her release. And I still believe that they're working out those terms on, because if you remember the Brock Lesnar situation, but I think they're working out the terms on, yeah, you can you can leave WWE, but you can't do X, Y, Z for this amount of time. Like with Brock Lesnar. Brock wanted to leave right after WrestleMania 20. He did. But WWE told him for seven years, because there were seven years still left on his current contract, can't do anything wrestling, nor uh, can't do anything combat sports related. Brock then wanted to go work for New Japan. WWE tried to stop it. He took him to court. Oh, no. I think that's what it was. He took him to court. And he got the New Japan thing. Then they tried, and, the, and then they're like, okay, fine. That's not in the United States, whatever. Then he tried to work UFC. They tried to stop that again. And they're like, no, you, you took him to court again. And it was like, no, you can't stop a man from making a living and what his primary source of income would be, combat sports. So I'm trying to think. We also saw this with Renee Young, Renee Paquette, where... She left WWE, wanted out before her contract is up, and they told her you can't do anything wrestling-related for a year. Now, I think she started her, se her Sessions podcast within that year, but that wasn't her going and working for another wrestling company or anything, and she hasn't done since. She's been doing her podcast. She's been doing a podcast for SiriusXM with Misha Tate, and there we go. So, there's a lot of things to unpack here, but there's also a lot of questions that need to be answered that we still have to ask like when is she going to announce the release this is august is they going to say are they going to announce anything before that because i believe c2e2 is august 5th through 7th which is weird because the website for c2e2 says well hold on hold on hold on let me go where's their main website c2e2 let me see something really fast C2E2 is August 5th through 7th, which is weird because that's a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, 5th through 7th. Oh, never mind. When I looked it up the other day, I looked at it, looked at it wrong. So this is Friday through Sunday. Sasha is set for a Saturday, Sunday, because when you go to her page for guests, she's listed as Saturday, Sunday. So the 6th and 7th. But... It's like, are that's coming up in like, what, one, two, three weeks. I mean, WWE's going to announce something before. Is she going to announce something before? Are fans going to ask her about what's your status? Is she going to say anything about her status? That's the big question in this. Her being at this event may answer some of those questions, may not. We'll have to see. As far as other women in WWE possibly leaving soon or their status being unknown, well, that has to do with former NXT Women's Champion, Io Shirai. 
is unknown what Io Shirai's current status is with WWE. Outside of she's currently signed with the company, she's got a new offer on the table, and her real her current deal is supposed to be up next month. Over the last few weeks, we have heard reports circulating that Io Shirai may be leaving WWE when her uh, when her deal is up in August. The word has been that her current contract is up next month, and she has told people she wants to go back to Japan. Since those reports, Shirai herself actually sent out a tweet that simply stated rumors and a throwing up emoji. Now, according to Dave Meltzer in the latest Wrestling Observer newsletter, Meltzer does report that as of last week, Shirai has still not signed a new contract with WWE. He noted that an offer is on the table. and Her current deal has yet to expire. Again, it is believed her deal is up in August. Shirai has been out with an injury for the last few months, though, and Meltzer did note that she recently returned to training at the Performance Center. And we don't know what that training means, whether that's weight training, whether that's rehab, whether that's actually in a ring, not 100% sure. But all indications are that her current deal will expire sometime next month within the next couple of weeks, possibly, and that WWE is trying hard to sign her to remain with the company. Yet, it's unknown if she actually wants to remain with WWE or not. So it is interesting to see that, you know, they want to keep uh, Io Shirai. Io may want to go back to Japan, but we don't know what this deal is for. Now, Io has been with WWE since Io Shirai signed with WWE in 2017 and been in NXT ever since. So that's 18, 19, 20, 22. That's five years in NXT. I know that they've given her a look once or twice for the main roster, but then nothing came of it. So now you got to ask the question of what is this new deal for that they're trying to get her to sign? Is it to stay in NXT? Is it to work the main roster? That's the big question. And what would entice her to stay? Staying in NXT? Getting moved up to the main roster? A bump in pay? We know that most times moving to the main roster is a bump in pay. Not always. We've heard a couple stories that... You get moved to the main roster and your bump and pay is either non really there or just not so significant that it doesn't seem like much. But we don't know her motivations right now. We don't know her intentions right now. And again, as of last week, according to Dave Meltzer, she has still not signed a new contract that they are looking for her to sign. An offer is on the table, yet she has not signed anything. So the next couple of weeks, next month or so for Io Shirai is going to be very interesting if these reports are true, that her current deal is up in August. Yet, she's also sent out the tweet of rumors. Bleh. But what does that mean? That her wanting to go back to Japan is not true? That her contract being up next month is not true? That's the other thing. When these wrestlers send out stuff that tries to, quote, debunk rumors, but then don't give any context, we don't know how to take it. We don't know how that... We assume they're reacting to these news reports but we don't know what the reaction actually is because there's no context given and maybe she can't give any context context because of her status with wwe but moving forward speaking of nxt we got to talk about well the man that made nxt what it is triple h hunter hearst helmsley paul levesque and we all know last fall triple h almost died he told Stephen a smith i had like Less than 5% chance. Maybe it was like, I think he said there was like a 1% chance that they thought he wasn't going to make it. Or something like that. He said that it was very, very close to him dying. 
He's been taking time off away from WWE and just recently returned to the company working in a, a executive capacity. Now, a few weeks back, maybe about a month or so now, Triple H took a trip down to Orlando to visit the Performance Center. In doing so, I think it was first reported by John Pollock of Post Wrestling, that Triple H was there, held a little meeting with staff and talent, and noted, I'm back. We also saw Grayson Waller tweet out Triple H was at the Performance Center and was telling us he's back. But no context was actually given to what I'm back really means, yet we may now know that per Dave Meltzer in the latest Wrestling Observer newsletter. Meltzer does report that Triple H, Paul Levesque, being back only means that he's back working in the office, not back running NXT. Triple H is not working NXT and has not been to an NXT taping at all since, well, last year before his cardiac event was what they called it. Since coming to the Performance Center a couple of weeks ago, he has not actually traveled back down there either. We do not know. Now, we do know that Triple H was on hand for Money in the Bank in Las Vegas earlier this month. Yet, we do not know what his role was being there, whether he was just there to be there, whether he was there in an official capacity, working as an executive, working as, you know, someone with creative. We don't know what Triple H was actually doing there and why he was there in Vegas. We know he went to UFC, but that's all we do know. Now, many have hoped that Triple H would be back helping NXT after, well, many have criticized the product after it's changed to NXT 2.0 last fall. Yet, as of right now, it does look as if Shawn Michaels and his team at the Performance Center, well, they're just going to still continue to run that show the way they've been running it since NXT 2.0 became a thing. Without the former 14-time World Heavyweight Champion, Hunter Hearst Helmsley. So we do hear anything else on what Triple H's, I guess you could say, duties are within the company right now, working just in an office capacity. I'll have it for you, but it's very interesting that, and I'm going to go off a little bit here from this initial story, that once Stephanie got power and was made the interim CEO, he all of a sudden started popping up saying, hey, I'm back, I'm back, I'm back, I'm back. Does that mean anything? I don't know. But as we roll on here, we're going to talk about a big story that broke yesterday that has many, including myself, very confused. And that is Monday Night Raw, potentially going back to a TV-14 rating. Now, for as long as I can remember, back in the 90s and all the way through the mid-2000s, Monday Night Raw was rated TV-14. In 2008, WWE wanted to take a heavier stance on focusing more on families and move the product from TV-14 to TV-PG. Now, just for context, SmackDown has always been rated TV-PG since its inception on UPN back in 1999. But Money Raw didn't move to TV-PG uh, until 2008. Now, yesterday, Andrew Zarian sent out a tweet, Andrew Zarian of the Mad Men podcast, sent out a tweet reporting that as of next Monday... WWE was going to be changing Monday Night Raw from TVPG to TV14. Now, no real context was given there. And then Zarian tweeted later, there's more to unpack. I will talk about that later. Then Zarian did his Matt Men podcast and kind of, it's maybe a little harsh to say, but doubled back on his initial report, stating that, you know what? They're not going to be TV 14 starting this week, but it's still in consideration for sometime soon down the line. 
Well, Dave Meltzer did write the following on all of this, kind of giving a little more light on it in the Wrestling Observer newsletter, stating, Andrew Zarian reported that Raw will change from TV PG to TV 14, starting with his show on 718. There was a memo sent out at the USA Network saying that, but apparently the memo was sent out early and the date itself of the change is not finalized. We didn't confirm the story at press time. Another source in the company said that this looks to be a USA directive and not a WWE decision. The fact it came from a USC, USA internal memo would also indicate that, indicate that. Meltzer would go on to state that I don't think it would be blood since they have been publicly dead set against blood on their programs, although they have been uh, with uh, allowing that in the past and a change could happen. So we do know that this actually came from the USA Network and not from WWE. Yet, the memo, original memo may have said 718, but that wasn't a finalized date. So maybe it said possibly starting on 70. Now I'm, I'm speculating here, but it could have said possibly starting on 718. So again, this is not something that WWE is pushing hard for, but for USA, which is interesting in my eyes because you would think this is something Vince would want, something Nick Khan would maybe push for, something that maybe Triple H would say, hey, let's go back and try this. I don't know why US, USA would actually want the show to go back to TV 14. Now, initially, when they moved from TV 14 to TV PG, that was a WWE call. That was a WWE move. But here's my thing. Whether the show was rated PG or 14, I don't think it's going to make one bit of a difference. You still have the same people writing the show. You still have the same people producing the show. And whether you're TV 14 or TV PG, what is the big difference there? Cuss words? Hell, how many times have we seen Roman or Charlotte or Sasha say the word bitch over the last year or so? A handful of times. A handful of times. And if that's the only reason you got to move back up to TV PG or TV 14, so you could say a few more swear words? Like, let me look something up. TV 14. Because there are difference. Uh, I think also, you may, get a, you may get to slip in an F-bomb here or there with TV 14. Let's see. Um, um, no, 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 no. That's not what I want. This says, as far as swear words with TV 14, more specifically the F word, there are several companies or TV stations not subject to the FCC's rules that have broken the general implied rule of crude in indecent language multiple f-bombs is not allowed at a tv 14 rating multiple f-bombs so you can get one in on a show you may be able to throw an f-bomb out there you know the word bitch is okay i mean i've seen shows like i think it was back in the day on cbs king queens there was an episode where carrie called someone a bitch more than once it's like we know that that word's all right. So what 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 is it that the show needs to move back to TV 14 
that they're looking for? Or is it just a perception thing? Is it a, and that's what I believe this is. Nothing more than a perception thing. Move the show to TV 14. People may think, oh my God, this is no longer a kid's show. We need to watch. That's what I think this is all implying. That moving the show from PG to 14, all perception. You ain't going to have more lewd and sexual things on the show. I highly doubt that. Crotch chopping. That ain't, I mean, most would say that's not for kids, even though in the 90s, kids were doing that at school and getting in trouble. But I mean, you could do that on a TV for, or a TV PG show. You can crotch chop a little bit. Ow! I mean, do it. So in my opinion, and this is not me reporting these, this is my opinion, I think them moving the show from TV PG to TV 14, well, that's literally just a perception thing. That is just a, hey, look, this show is no longer a quote-unquote kids show at PG. It's 14, which means it's a teenager, young adult show. Maybe you might want to watch because some teenage, young adult things may actually happen. And hold on, I want to look at something really fast. Fast. Um, uh, when did... I want to look at something. When did... Okay, so the Edge, I was trying to figure this out. The Edge lead a live sex celebration thing. Well, still when the show was rated TV 14 in 2006. Because remember, the show didn't officially move to PG till 2008. So what, do they want to do another one of those segments? I mean, Lita's boob did pop out. They were under the covers. Covers briefly got pulled to the side by accident. Boob, nip, and then it was covered back up. But again, like I said, I think this is more of a perception thing and uh hey look the show's tv 14 that may mean something but most weeks if rarely ever we get tv 14 content like i doubt you're gonna have people like i doubt you're gonna have people going out there busting each other up bleeding every week i doubt you're gonna have people going out there cursing up a storm every single week you're gonna have sexy things on the show every single week i highly doubt all of that but again it's not happening right now it's not happening starting this monday maybe it does maybe it doesn't but according to dave Meltzer, that that date of 718 was apparently in the memo but not a quote finalized date but as we move forward before we get on to our next news story we have a sponsor of this video and that is manscaped Sport for Pro Wrestling Unlimited is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped, or Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and has released their new and improved Lawnmower 4.0. Their fourth-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to prevent manscaping accidents. Millions of balls are about to be nick-free thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin-safe technology. And when I say nick-free, I mean you're not going to cut yourself, not Nick Armstrong-free. You don't you want that as well, though. But they're, anyways. Manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past. Also remember, you don't have to rush with a Manscaped trimmer. You don't have to rush because on a full battery, well, you got 90 minutes. You've got 90 minutes and got a very cool, and a, a very cool USB charger that charges this thing up really quickly. You can go from dead to your 90-minute full charge in like 
20 minutes or so, if not less. Also, one of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trim. They've also upgraded to an over 7,000 horsepower RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. You almost don't even hear the thing when you're when it's on. I know I've used mine a couple of times and I hit the switch and I'm like, on? And the only reason I realized it was on because the light's on. But I couldn't hear it, especially when you're in the shower, you got the water running, it's trickling down and you hear this thing. Right? It's like buzzing. But it's buzzing so low that the water hitting the, the shower floor is actually overpowering the sound. So it's actually, when they say quiet stroke, it's very quiet. Again, you may all Almost think it's not on unless you feel the vibration of it or see the light. Anyways, if you're listening to me speak about this right now. Well, we got a deal for you. You can get 20% off and free shipping when you use the code PWUnlimited at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Again, get 20% off and free shipping with the code PWUnlimited at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com when you use the code PW. Unlimited. But with that going forward, we got to talk about, well, injuries, unfortunately. We got four to talk about. Let's jump in right here. First off, talk about John Morrison or the former John Morrison. Apparently, John Morrison will no longer be working the upcoming GCW event. He is out with an injury. GCW did state, quote, this Friday, LA, due to injury, the real Morrison is unable to compete. Assigned Gringo Loco versus Rocky Romero. With that, John Morrison is out with an injury, but we don't know any details on what the actual injury is, how severe the injury is, and how long this could keep him out of action. I'm going to check one other thing really fast on the Morrison story because this was announced last night. I'm just trying to see if maybe there's anything else. Now, we do know that Morrison is set for a big fatal four-way match for AAA in August, but they haven't said anything. That's August 5th. They haven't said anything about him being pulled from the show. But GCW had to because that show is this weekend. Their show is this weekend. So it's like, hey, we got to announce something. We got to say, you know, who's doing what. Unfortunately, John Morrison or whatever he's going by now, Johnny Elite, Johnny Caballero, Johnny whatever, is out with an injury and will not be competing this week for GCW. As we move forward, we got some more injuries to talk about. Next up, we got Adam Cole. No we're going to talk about Santana first. We're going to talk about Santana first. Back at Blood and Guts, we had, well, the Blood and Guts match. It was the Jericho Appreciation Society against the team of the Blackpool Combat Club, which consisted of Moxley, Wheeler Yuta, and Claudio Castagnoli, Eddie Kingston, Santana, and Ortiz. During that match, Santana, and I forget who he was doing the move on, but Santana went for a Uranagi, you know, a rock bottom style move and injured himself. At the moment of injury, we didn't know if it was a knee or an ankle injury, but he initially, he immediately went down, rolled to the edge of the ring up against the cage and was helped out into the back. They made reference to it on television. We didn't hear much until maybe a week later when Tony Khan did confirm Santana did suffer a knee injury. Well, 
while speaking to the Terry, uh, the True Gordy podcast. Chris Jericho revealed a little on Santana's injury, stating, quote, Fucked up his knee doing a simple rock bottom. That's not on top of a cage. That's not falling off a cage. That's not getting hit with a barbed wire bat or whatever. It's doing a wrestling move. And he's out eight months. So Jericho does confirm here that Santana will be out of action for upwards of eight months with the knee injury. Now, no other context was given as far as what the knee injury is, whether that is a, you know, an ACL tear or a meniscus tear, some cap. We don't know what the actual injury is. And we don't know this. Well, we know severity, eight months. But severity of, is that eight months just to heal it up? Is that eight months because he needs surgery? There's a lot of questions here we don't know. But hopefully, Santana can return sooner rather than later. If he's out for eight months, that would mean he's out of action till next spring, sometime around March, April time, I would think, when he could return 2023. So, unfortunately, looks like we ain't going to get Santana back in the ring for the remainder of 2022. At least that's what it looks like, unless maybe he recovers and heals up quicker than expected. But as of right now, looks like Santana could be out of action for the remainder of the year. Going forward, let's now talk about Adam Cole. We know that going into Double or Nothing, Adam Cole was already working with a number of injuries. According to Dave Meltzer in the latest Wrestling Observer newsletter, he states that Cole has decided to undergo physical therapy on his shoulder as torn labrum instead of undergoing surgery. Now, the time frame for Cole's return will be determined more by his recovery time than just, oh, torn labrum, how long are you out of action? We don't know exactly how long it's going to take him with doing rehab and not having surgery. Um, it's also reported that Cole was dealing with some sort of a concussion coming out of the fatal four-way match at Forbidden Door. So Cole's really banged up right now. Born labrum. I think he had a knee issue at one point this year. Then the concussion that made the... Fatal four-way match for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship and a little early. So it's like, hey, give this time all the time. Or give this guy all the time you need. We don't want him coming back too soon. We don't want this guy coming back early and getting hurt again. So Adam Cole, take all the time you need. to Get out there and peel yourself up. Speaking of Adam Cole, we know that Adam Cole in AEW. Called with the Young Bucks. And Tony Khan had planned at one point. Adam Cole and Red Dragon against the Elite, the Young Bucks, and Kenny Omega. He even went as far to say, we've got trios titles, but we're waiting for Kenny Omega to come back before we can do anything with those trios championships. Now, according to Dave Meltzer, he does state that, that the Young Bucks are set soon for some sort of a big angle. It does not include FTR. Now, coming out of this week's AEW Dynamite, the Young Bucks did drop the AEW World Heavyweight or the World Tag Team Championships to Swerve in Our Glory. And a lot of fans were like, whoa, wait, huh? I thought we were going to go. We should have gone FTR challenging them for the titles. But that doesn't look the case as Meltzer wrote of the following in the Wrestling Observer newsletter. Even though fans clearly wanted FTR versus Young Bucks with all four tag titles at stake, as noted by the impromptu reaction last week, that was not the plan, at least for now. It could be something done long term, but maybe not the dream tag match. You that a uh, dream tag match where you 
have two of the best teams of the era with belts from AEW, New Japan, AAA, and ROH, all, all in one match, which could be viewed as historical. But not sure. But also not sure how long FTR would be the IBGP and AAA champions. But there was a different major angle planned for the Young Bucks soon. Obviously, Young Bucks, Kenny Omega versus Adam Cole, Bobby Fish, and Kyle O'Reilly was a direction, and AW was going to introduce trios titles when Omega was healthy. But with Omega and Cole both out of action, no word on how close that would be. The Meltzer does state that there's a big angle, a big storyline, I guess you could say, in the works for the Young Bucks, and it could be that one with Omega, Adam Cole, Bobby Fish, and Kyle O'Reilly. But we just don't know exactly how long. We're going to have to wait to get that because, well, Let's move to our next news story. Matt Jackson injured himself this week on Dynamite. Suffered what they call a stinger in the ring. Now, if you're like, well, what's a stinger? Let's tell you right now. A stinger is when a wrestler suffers an injury to the nerves, typically arms, shoulder, or neck. And that's what happened to Matt Jackson. The latter, the neck. The injury apparently took place when Powerhouse Hobbs and Keith Lee gave Jackson a double vertical suplex following him attempting to Northern Light suplex the both of them. Jackson was able to continue the match and finish it, although you can tell from that point on he was very careful with how he was being treated in the match with the types of moves he was doing and the moves he was taking. Dave Meltzer noted on Wrestling Observer Radio this week that Matt Jackson has suffered a number of neck issues over the past several years. You know what I mean? These Bucks have been doing this for, what, close to 20 years now. And they're taking all these high-impact um, moves, landing on their back, landing on their head, landing on their neck. It's, I mean, it's inevitable. We also do know that Matt Jackson may have suffered some sort of a slight neck injury several months ago when he took a Canadian destroyer from Penta Oscuro. Now, according to, according to this latest report, the idea of the triple threat AEW tag title match in general was to elevate two other tag teams involved and make them feel same level as the Young Bucks, the Lucha Bros, and FTR. Basically, AEW wants to elevate other tag teams. So, A, having Ricky Starks and Powerhouse Hobbs in this match tells us, hey, they're contenders, they're top-level teams, and also having Swerve in our glory win the belts goes, hey, they're contenders, they're not just contenders, though, they're freaking championship-worthy. So, we don't know exactly if this stinger is going to keep Matt Jackson out of action or anything and how long it could keep him out of action. And hopefully this doesn't, I guess you could say, what's the word I'm looking for, spark up any other old injuries and, you know, make him have to go in and get other things worked on. Because again, Meltzer did state he's been working with a neck injury for a while. Suffered a slight neck injury back a couple of months ago when they were taking on Penta and Phoenix. And so hopefully Matt Jackson what, misses a week or two and then we're good to go from there. The last story we do have here has to do with one tag team in AEW, but not really AEW, it's FTR, ROH World Tag Team Champions, as a stipulation has been placed on their title matchup coming in Death Before Dishonor with the Briscoes. Stipulation was revealed at a special face-to-face -face confrontation between the Briscoes and FTR, hosted by, I guess you could say, AEW ROH announcer Caprice Coleman that aired earlier today on YouTube. The face-to-face -face started off cordially with FTR sharing some tequila with the Briscoes, but soon 
I guess you could say the face-to-face turned heated when Mark and Jay Briscoe began insulting Cash Wheeler and Dax Harwood's victory over them, calling it a fluke and saying that, you know, it was because FTR was the fresher team. If you remember, that was the second match they worked that night. Basically, they told FTR, you got lucky. You got lucky. As far as the stipulation does go, why do I not? My notes just froze. Give me one second. Um, here we go. As far as the stipulation does go, it was announced that on July 23rd at the Ring of Honor pay-per-view Death Before Dishonor, FTR will be facing the Briscoes in a two out of three falls match. So there we go. The match will be two out of three falls with FTR defending the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championships against Mark and Jay the Briscoes. But with that, that is all we got to wrap up the wrap-up. It is Friday, so that means tonight is Friday Night SmackDown. So far, three things have been announced for tonight's SmackDown. We know that Madcap Moss will be taking on Theory. Liv Morgan will be taking on Natalia in a championship contenders match. And Jimmy Uso will be going one-on-one with uh, Angelo Dawkins. Also, in speaking of Jimmy Uso and Dawkins, Uso Street Profits, their tag title match at SummerSlam, the special referee match. And the special referee is set to be announced tonight on SmackDown. Also, Fightful did have a report earlier today saying that there is a segment planned with the New Day and Viking Raiders for tonight's SmackDown where the New Day may actually come, come out dressed up as the Viking Raiders and mock them. Now, this was part of the plan as of last night, Thursday, and things could still change. Things can still change leading up to the show. I mean, we see it every week. I mean, on Monday... WWE was promoting Bobby Lashley in an open challenge. Theory versus Riddle. Those two segments basically just got smushed together. So with that, that that's going to wrap up the wrap-up. Hopefully, we can be live tonight following Friday Night SmackDown. If not, we'll just pre-record the SmackDown review. Post it up on YouTube for everybody to watch later like we're doing with this the rest episode of the Wrestling Wrap-Up. But with that, guys, remember to follow us right here for Wrestling Unlimited. Whether you're watching live on Twitch, whether you're watching on YouTube or listening later on podcast services all around the globe, I want to say thank you for all the support. Have a great rest of your Friday. We'll see you tonight for Friday Night SmackDown. Have a good one, guys.